we are live. Welcome, friends, to the Collector Series with me. I'm very excited to uh, share. We have Joey Peapod. He's on. Um, he's he's. Uh, we're doing a late night show, but he's he's uh, been kind enough to jump on with us and talk about so many things. Uh, I'm personally really excited about this episode because they get to pick his brain on everything Ken Griffey Jr. As everybody will probably know, everybody knows at this point. That's that's my guy and. I PC him heavily and I'm actually becoming more and more influenced by this man right next to me here. He is, uh, he's teaching me by the minute and by the day. And it, I'm learning so much about the Griffey collector base, but more importantly about cards, about grading, about comps. We're going to talk about comps. We're going to talk about grading. We're going to talk about all the discrepancies, kind of why numbers are usually lower. Um, there's a lot of really interesting things I think we're going to gather from this episode that, that's going to help you understand why cards sell for less sometimes. And understand that not all tens are tens, and sometimes tens are not tens, if that makes sense. We'll talk about that. We'll also, I mean, I do want to talk about MBA, uh, Mike Baker, because I feel like that's a different, that's a whole nother thing too. Mike Baker, he grades the grade, he grades the card, and but he's like the grader. So without, you know, mucking up any more of an intro here, um, Joey, good, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Great, great, great. So... Why don't we start with this? Because we start with this every single time. I think it would be fun to just learn about, you know, how what you how you got into cards. I mean, you're in you're Rhode Island, correct? I'm in Rhode Island. Yep, probably Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. And you're a mayor from Boston. Oh, originally from Boston? No, uh, we're an hour out from Boston. Oh, hour out from Red Boston. Sox, Patriots, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're you're there, um, but you're a Mariner guy. Yeah, been you're, Mariner, been Griff, a Griffey. I'm always a. I'm, I was never really a team. Fan. I was more of a player, player. fan, okay. you know, between Griffey and Peyton Manning. Those are my two, my two Peyton guys. Manning. So, yeah, yeah, we, um, yeah that, cool. So what got you into the Mariners? What were not just the Mariners? What, what how did you start in collecting? Like, how did you get into the whole thing? I mean, the first thing I ever remember, I think my parents got me from like those wish catalogs, like a set of 1990 score. So that was probably like the first thing I got. And then my grandfather always bought me cards as well so yeah. i just was always into it and uh you know 93 was probably the first year like i remember when sp came out i would have only been like 10. um i remember like me and my buddy used to throw quarters against the fireplace to like win the cards and then i remember like the jeter at the time was like 22 bucks and then uh for christmas his father got him like a bunch of cards and uh, he got him a case, a, a box of 93 Flair, which as a kid, I'm like, oh, this is like super awesome. It's in a box. And then um, he gave me a pack out of it. And I hit the Mike Piazza wave of the future, oh. you know, and it, it booked for 15 bucks. But at the time, I thought that was like the hugest thing in the world. So that's a big um, card back then, right? I mean, yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's a lot of money yeah. back then. That and uh, 93 tops, um, the black golds. I remember like the craze over those, you know, even commons were 15 bucks. The 93 flare team lead like the rack packs with the team leaders so i used to go to like uh cbs once a day and just buy cards you know cbs yeah i used to go to the gas station get 89 donruss so i think we're, we're probably around the same age i'm 42 so i i think i grew up as well with you with that whole junk wax era so the cards that were really popular i dropped out around 92 93 i i, I was pretty much done i never got into the premium sets 93 finest doesn't doesn't resonate with me because I wasn't collecting at that time. But so you you got into it. Did you ever leave, or is this something that you've just been doing this whole time and you've just no? I I uh, 
I did it. So I'm 39. So I did it until I graduated high school in 01. So I quit in 01. And then I probably bought, like, opened a couple boxes here and there. But like, I basically, I had a Griffey collection. I still have the pictures of it. I keep it because sometimes people like, you know, ask about like, my biggest car was like 50 bucks at the time. But I had like a four row box of Griffey and I sold it off. I got like two grand for it. And then I quit until like probably 2010. And then um, around that time, I was like, you know, let me let me come back and just I started buying wax. So it was it was two thousand whenever 2011 bomb and draft came out. That was like one of the first things I opened. Um, actually, no, 20, 2011 triple threads is what got me back into it. I opened a, a box and I pulled a Ripken triple auto, which is like the case set. I'm like, oh, wow. And I went back into the store, bought another box. And uh, it was just like a little magazine store. And mm-hmm. they barely, you know, they barely sold cards, but they had them. So the next box I pulled, it was a mantle relic. It was a booklet with Babe Ruth and like five other players. And it was a Grover Cleveland Alexander cut signature, which I thought was like $10 million, but it ended yeah. up only it ended up being like eight hundred bucks, but that box got me rehooked, and then I just went out that year buying a ton of wax, and then um, quickly I kind of w- w- went into um, like I did a lot of grading with Beckett um, stuff back then, and um, but quickly I wanted to get back into Griffey, so I was like I looked up in my Beckett, I'm like hey let me oh they're all forty bucks, I just go buy everything, and then I quickly yeah. learned that Beckett was outdated. Cause that was the Bible <laughs> in the nineties, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and the cards that are, they say are 40 bucks are really four or 500 bucks. You know, um, my buddy, Sean was the first person I reached out to. It was like, no, that's not how it works. You know, the Beckett's Beckett's useless. But, um, I basically went through four iterations of collection. Like I quit for that decade. Um, mm-hmm. when I came back in 2010, I built up a, a decent collection of like, up to mid, you know, mid high end stuff. Mm-hmm. So I ended up selling it all off. I ended up finding a bunch of stuff again, but like every time I came back, I focused on the higher end and higher end. And then um, basically 2018 is when I had sold everything off and I'm like, kind of got back into it with like a couple of trades. And um, I had a, a friend, John, who was into basketball and basketball. And I sold a lot of stuff on eBay and like the basketball guys were like, over the top with condition and i didn't even really like graded cards that much and uh and every day he would like anytime i would sell a card he would just like beat me up on like what's the condition how's it going on my guy it's numbered out of 30 just be happy to find the card and then i just switched to just grading everything um so i decided just to focus on psa 10 stuff at that time pretty much and why why psa 10 what what why from beckett to psa 10 uh, well, the writing was on the wall with like the price discrepancy. And then I quickly learned that PSA was, I, I, I knew there were a lot, like at first I used BGS cause they were easier in my mind because mm-hmm. PSA's site was kind of confusing, but once you actually do it, it's not as bad, but, um, I quickly learned PSA is a lot more, it's a, they're a lot stricter than BGS. So like really? the price, the prices were double. Right. And then I quickly learned lo- why. So like, Unfortunately, you know, everybody that's learning now, they have to learn at $19 a card. I learned at $8 a card, you know? So I was able to send my, what I did was 
so when I graded with Beckett, I was like 24 for 24 with three PGS 10s, right? So I'm thinking I'm a good grader. Now, I, it took me a while to learn exactly what PSA, like the exact standards were because nobody knew, like I asked around. And uh, so I bought like a four row box of Griffey Commons, um, all base cards. But the guy was just like, as he was getting them, he was putting them in sleeves. So I ended up sending in 220 Griffey base cards and then like 300 other cards. Like I was going through 94 top sets, just like testing the leniency. And I ended up hitting 50% on the Griffey base. So I got 110 gems on those. And then um, it also taught me the registry set. That's also what drives PSA. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have like base tops card. You know, why, why does uh, the score select you know, 40 bucks, but the, the regular score is, you know, yeah. 200 or whatever. Cause you know, you learn the different sets that people, you know, you know, piece together for the complete run or whatever. Um, so it basically taught me a lot. Like, you know, I sold a Tim Sam in 94 tops cause it was a pop two. Yeah. It was $110. You know, that's guy. a, that's a card you throw out, you know? So right. with it, with an eye, you can turn nothing into something, you know? And so you basically use that knowledge and that experience. So you, you, you grew it. You went through it trial right. and error and you learned how to do it. And then you took that and you um, that catapulted your collection. Did that actually help you build the oh, yeah. collection so, you have now? That, right. You've just kind of that, you that group. Probably, that iterations you've had. That was the first iteration. So the second iterations you get back in after in 2010, you're like, OK, Beckett's irrelevant. Grading's a thing. BGS was easier, but now PSA is stricter. And so, uh, no, this was the fourth iteration. It was kind of oh. like two in the middle of the second one was when I came back in 2010. Mm-hmm. The third was I, I ended up like focusing on like that, just high end stuff. But then I ended up selling it off because I got a new place. And in my mind, I was done with cards, which, you know, we all make stupid mistakes. But <laughs> luckily, I was able to reacquire everything I sold off, but even better condition. So no, wow. I'm no foul. Um, and one thing I always like to say is like, I knew where the bodies were buried. Like I actually sold a lot of PSA 10. So I basically reached out to people that I knew had PSA 10s that didn't care for them. I would make sure I had like the raw copy and make a deal with them. You know, I made a lot of deals like that. Um, so I want to hear that. Let me back up. There's you're, you're going to drop a lot of really awesome stuff. So for all those that are listening now, you're, 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 you're now witnessing Joey Peapod right now for the first time. I've rewatched his episodes a few times, a huge fan of what of his journey and how he views everything. You when you make deals, because that's the one thing when people don't want to let go of a card, you kind of need to come with an offering that's going to give them the the incentive to give you that card. Because a lot of the cards you want, a lot of the cards as a hardcore collector, as you grow into becoming hardcore, which I feel like I'm I'm turning into, those aren't cards you see ever. You have right. to find the person who has them and convince them to sell it to you. And you have your strategy is to do that, a raw card of the card you're trying to purchase from that person. That it was in the past, correct. To to get where I am now, I I probably graded about 40% of my collection myself, including like most of the finest refractors. Um, but I, I quickly learned that it wasn't feasible, like it's a pot, like the 90s is tough for a reason. You could open case after case and it's just going to be dud. So some of the stuff you have to buy, like 
probably the first card that I really did that was the 97 finest embossed refractor, the gold. Um, one came up on PWCC and I went through like literally five raws. I cracked Beckett BGS nine fives and uh, I kept striking out. And then I quickly learned like the card that really trained me with PSA versus Beckett was there was a 97 Kobe. Um, no, the 96 refractor. Mm-hmm. It, it had a refractor line and nobody could give me a straight answer. If you could still get a 10 with a refractor line, this was in 2018, mind you. Now, some people now that it's, still don't understand this but back then if you if you see older labels they have refractor lines so they switch they switched to standard i just don't know what year they did maybe 2015 2016 because i didn't i didn't grade heavily with psa so like right now you can't get a 10 with a refractor line i won't say you can't because things sneak by that they're human all companies make errors but if you have a refractor line it's not going to get a 10. that's the the refractor lines 2000 Potentially, you don't know when, but potentially 2018-1996 Kobe Topps Chrome Refractors pre-2018-ish time frame, Fractor Lines were still getting 10s. Refractor Lines are still getting 10s. Yeah, I've, 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 if, you look at, like, if you look at 93 Finest Griffey, there's probably some images online. You can see Refractor Lines. There was a, Herod, a 95 Finest Refractor we were talking about. One sold on Heritage with the peel. I didn't buy it because it had a Refractor Line. I could tell um and then like the kobe mine had a refractor line i kept getting a nine so after i subbed it like three times at 200 dollars a piece i'm like all right i'm gonna assume this card is perfect otherwise you know you can't get a 10 you know with the refractor line now when i say you can't get that doesn't mean like the standard is it shouldn't happen does it mean that one person might overlook one you know it can happen um that's a whole nother conversation but as the standard stands, if it has a refractor line, it won't gem. It won't gem with the refractor lines. Everybody's hip to that now. The grading companies are hip to that, at least PSA. And why? Again, PSA to you is just the. You think the market difference, the 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 delta between BGS or SGC and, and PSA is because they do grade stricter, and the serious investor recognizes that, and they will pay more for that. I think there's. I, I couldn't give you a. I'll tell you my personal take. Your take on it, yeah. My personal, like I'm OCD, right? I grade, and and I could show this to anybody. It's it's a, something you can show somebody. Like a Beckett card, gem to gem, nine five to PSA ten. To me, a BGS ten is like it shouldn't even exist. It's a gimmick. Uh, very few are actually pristine, especially. You can. I had a BGS ten that wouldn't even wouldn't even have been a B, uh, PSA nine. Um, but to me a gem to a gem i would i would and i'm sure the data backs it up and you could spin it either way but i would say the psa 10 is the better card nine out of ten times like the psa 10 nine out of ten times yeah wow that's a hot take i don't think it's a hot take i just think it's an opinion obviously but it's an opinion from someone who's graded a lot of cards i grade every day i grade i basically could say you i could you could say i grade for a living wow and then the thing is though is there's some people that maybe don't scrutinize the cards as closely so they don't know what they're looking at or they think because something similar you know for instance like on um you know refractors like these right Mm -hmm. the biggest issue on these is the back corners but you can't tell unless you have a loop so unless you have a loop you're not seeing the little tiny 
you know, mark coming up on on the end. So I, I think it's just a matter of people not really knowing what they need to look for to understand why they got the nine or the 10. Do you know what I'm saying? Got it. And so you're going to grade, you'll grade that card. Was that, now what do you think that card is? You just, you just, the one you just showed us at 94 finest, that's the yeah. refractor, right? That 94 yeah. Griffey refractor, is that a nine or a 10 in your opinion? Oh, it's a nine. Uh, actually, it might be a 10. It's close. Because the centering is decent. So, because I got like, I, I, I have stacks on stacks. Like right here, here's a, uh, this is just 93 base cards. So I separated all the better players. And um, so these are all ones I have to go through and review. I just haven't had the time. I have piles of cards all over the place. Wow. And, that's that's um, incredible. That's incredible. But I, so you, okay. And then people, folks on that are watching this now, this is what Joey does for a living. This is his is anybody actually watching this? No, it's not alive. Um, it's, oh, it's, it, not a... it's not alive. It's going to be record. It's, it's pre-recorded. It will, it will, oh, okay, it will okay. be launched later, but I like saying that I because if you. you're listening to it, it kind of feels like it's alive. No, yeah. it's, um, I just want that to be there. Need, that needs to be shared. And that needs to be that sort of like a, a disclaimer that needs to be out there because this is what you do for a living. So there's a reason why I trust this guy a lot. Um, yeah. He knows what he's talking about. And if you're going to spend some money on some of these cards, you, you're going to want to know that stuff. So it's, you know, PSA has got the premium for obvious reasons. And you're obviously not the only one who thinks that because there's, there's a market premium for that. Right. And because I, of I'll, that, go ahead. Moment. I'll, I'll break down the three major competitors, how I see it. If I had okay. to like go overly, ahead. overly simplify it. And I, I do actually want to state one thing first is PSA in their magazine, they state grading is subjective you're paying for an opinion right so that's the first thing you're not paying for a fact you're paying for an opinion and um uh sorry i, I should have turned my phone off i'm getting like text but uh can't hear it yeah so you're paying for an opinion and um i lost my train of thought you're gonna break down each one of the different yeah uh, okay so it's subjective so two people can't see the same card differently like in my personal orders they've been very consistent for the volume they do and mind you they're doing 10x other people so you know to break that down i used to uh, you have an office supply store out there staples or yeah well whatever i used to manage six people in one this is like 15 years ago i couldn't even get six people to do the same thing correctly so now you have hundreds of graders you want to see a subjective thing the same way to me that they do a pretty fairly fairly good job um but so psa to me is technical when mm -hmm. they're using the loop magnification bgs is you know middle of the road kind of eyeing it but like the, the grades they assign the the subgrades don't make sense half the time like they don't it's kind of like for instance a nine surface on a bgs card could range from a fingerprint to looking like it's been dragged across the floor after wow. you crack it. And I, I, I have some personal ones that I saw that I could, you know, show that, uh, you know, that, um, that about, um, and then SGC to me is just eyeing it. They just kind of eye it. And there was even a podcast with Dr. James Beckett, where the guy that used to run SGC told his graders not to use a loop on the corners of vintage cards because it was too fine. So there's a reason that, and then, you know, 
if you went out there, everybody could make a negative case against any company. We could all, right. I could pick a pot PSA all day, you know, and I'm a PSA fan. They're not perfect. They destroyed one of my best cards, you know. Um, they still owe me 3,500 bucks that I didn't get yet. And, uh, but overall, like from a, like a, uh, let me see if I have any right here. Just like, you know, I have a whole stack of tens right here. I personally won't keep a card that I don't think is a 10. It's just like the OCD in me where if it's not, I don't want the number. I want to actually, I want to look at the card and say, Hey, I know this is a 10, you know? Um, and is that, is that, is that those cards you, you sold to me? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> you sold to me. Actually, I don't think it the, the, so, the silver embossed I sold to you was actually one. I'm like, Oh, it's really clean. Do I really want to move this right now? Because it was, uh, it was like perfectly centered, and it was, uh, there was no greening. It's really, you, it's were really... Very, you had to think about it, brother. I appreciate you, you looking out for me there and, and helping out, helping another Griffey guy. But, um, but that's interesting though because you're, you're bringing up a topic that I think people talked about in the past. It's not a secret, you know. No, not all tens are the same, right? So let me right. ask you a question. Since we're talking about the grading, well, I'll, I'll dive more into that. You've kind of broken down SGC, BGS, and PSA, and how you feel they grade. You're Lightly, someone who does this. But lightly but yes, you're someone yes. who does this a lot so you you know you you got some skin in the game you understand it you're not some guy like me talking about it clearly doesn't have that experience that you have um but let's talk about mike baker do you feel mm -hmm. like that's a gimmicky thing do you feel like that yeah. actually okay. i mean i don't want to go around talking shit on all these companies but like if you're gonna like the first card i saw of his was a jeter i sold it was a 96 marigold and I had a refractor line and he gave it a gold. Oh, really? Like there shouldn't even have been a 10. It was in an SGC 10 case, right? And then he put the gold on top of it. So like, did you even look at the card? Interesting. Like you, gra you graded for PSA, you would, you know, I don't know what you would give it, but I mean, I do, you, you know, all 10s aren't the same, but you know, I don't know that his service has any value. So maybe some like when I get the cards with his stickers, I take them right off, personally. <laughs> so that's a lot. Okay, cool, cool. Well, no, I just just curious yeah. because you have yeah. this. You really are rooted in what you believe and think, and you've got you've gotten there through experience, and you've done this for a while, and that's that's where you that's how you've arrived at your conclusion. So I, I respect that because it's you're not just a guy who just got back into the hobby, and, you know, and and you know within the three years feels if you've, you've accumulated this opinion you've done this for a long time and, and now you're like okay you know i've got enough enough experience to make this yeah you know, i mean to have an opinion and, and, and feel like confident in it okay so next thing i want to talk about is comps we were talking about comps before we press record and some interest you had you had some interesting things to say about that you had an episode with your buddy rodney i listened to back if you guys haven't seen he's got like only four it won't take you long go check out you go you're gonna see it you see his name on every joey people underscore people go find him on insta or on youtube and listen to you know they talk about griffy a lot so if you're a griffy guy you're gonna love it but there is still some good stuff in there you can pull out that applies to the whole hobby altogether. um but you talked about comps and how comps you can't trust comps all the time. I know on the Luca, uh, Luca Tiger, Braun, Luca Nation, Andrew and Cage will, you know, from time to time talk about comps, top comps at shows, Black Jaded Wolf. She has a really good show. Sharon, they talk about comps at shows, what it's like at shows, 
you know, how you go in there and how you negotiate. Talk to me about and unpack this whole conversation on comps today, before 2020 and and now up to this point. How has it changed in your opinion? I would also like a sidebar is that to me, every like the Griffey world, 90s collectors, new stuff, it's all different worlds in my opinion. So when I speak of like certain things, I would say it mostly applies to the 90s Griffey you know, early 2000s market where it might not apply to Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, before before and after, I mean, everything shot up. To me, it, it comes down to um, studying. Like, I know the 90s cold. So you show me almost any card, I'll know what it is, rough value. Where you show me, you know, some LeBron, LeBron or Kobe, I have no clue. You know, I have to like, you know, just like kind of you are now with me, you have to like kind of, you know, research it. Um, mm-hmm. But that but that takes a while to get up. So you can't just expect to go look at completed sales and get the, get the whole picture of, you know, for instance, Griffey. Most of his big stuff doesn't sell on the open market. Guys like me over the past few years, me, Rodney, my buddy um, Rick, like we've let big things go that just don't come up. They're just locked away. And, um, you know, like the nineties market has it, like I own, if you check my eBay, I only usually sell 90 stuff because of the market. I know it's not going to get returned. There's going to be very little games with the stuff. People actually want to collect it. They actually want the card. They don't want to just flip it in three months or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, and then also with the comps is, uh, you know, obviously like the time of the day, uh, the time of the year, like the cert, like to me, tax time is the best time, but like this month isn't always the best, but I had to sell some stuff. So it got, the stuff went lower Then I bet you, somebody could probably list some of the stuff I just sold next month and probably make double on some of the stuff, you know? Um, so I think people should, you know, look at researching, you know, when it sold, uh, you know, title, obviously, um, and then like at shows it's just um you know i personally don't like setting up at shows anymore it's like i find it very tedious because everybody wants to be the comp police like that's all you hear is the word comp 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 but there's a lot that you know like you, you you told me before stuff that goes unsold that still shows up or if somebody's new and doesn't understand like for instance probstein like 90% of his stuff gets relisted two, three times. So it's like, if you don't know that market, you don't know really what it's supposed to sell for, you know? Um, Non-payers, like, yeah, the non-payers. Right. You know, we deal, you deal with it on eBay and then it still shows up as a comp, as a sold, but they don't know that this person didn't sell. I mean, it could be you're waiting for them to pay four days and they don't pay, but then that comp is still a comp someone might use to go purchase a card, but it's not truly the value of the card. And you also talked about the different auctions. There's there's lots of different auction sites. You got Leland, yeah. you got Heritage, you've got PWCC, Golden, eBay. Heritage. And you're, you made a very interesting comment. Tell me about why that doesn't necessarily help. To me, a water, yeah, in my opinion, and, I, and I'm, I used to be like, ask anybody that knows me, I loved auctions. I just wanted to auction everything. And I still do because I. I, I'm not one of those people that gets hung up on like needing every dollar out of every card. It's the overall that matters. So if I need money, 
I know I'm, when I sell stuff, I could tell you if I'm going to lose before I sell it. But to me, all these auction sites have watered down the market because now you have, you have, it's a full-time job just to literally check all these sites. You know, like me, I used to check a ton. Now I just check PWCC and eBay is like my main two, but then you got golden, you know, then you got the PWCC premier, which sometimes I forget to check PWCC listed. Now uh, PSA has a, um, a, whatever with the uh, golden, what is that? Like their own vault. So now they're yeah. listing stuff. You got the Derek Jeter one. I don't even know. Uh, what's that so one called? Arena something? Arena. Yeah. Um, it, it's just endless amounts of stuff. Nobody can physically keep up with all that. You know, um, I, I forgot what site it was, but it was, it was a few months back. Could have been more than a few months, but a 98 rubies Derek Jeter sold for 10 mm. grand. It's like a twenty thousand dollar card, you know, and but wh whoever sent it to that third rate auction site is also to blame too for thinking that's going to do well. Um, but the the I think the unless you have like something super hot, the money comes a lot slower. And I think now is like networking is more important than ever. Having a network of people that you know want something. I've noticed yeah. that like like. Like this stuff I just sold on my last auction, I probably was off by 10 to 12 grand, you know, just because wow. I auctioned it rather than privately selling it, you know? Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that right now. Like I'm, I'm obviously selling most of my stuff to, to get the big Griffies and I'm not getting anywhere. I'm, I'm taking losses left and right. I mean, it'll all aggregate out, but it, you know, I should have money to spare to go buy more. Right. You know, I feel like, but then, you know, that's the, and then there's the market, the market's calmed down and you were looking potentially heading into recession. You know, is it right. 2020? I mean, I didn't buy anything at real highs either. I mean, I, I think I got stuff, you know, in the last couple of years, I didn't, I didn't buy stuff in early to 2021 because that's, that's when everything was bonkers. But so I guess, what do you say to a person like me or, or who's jumping in and trying to, to build a collection of, you know, legitimate cards now that the prices are so, you know, they've grown and they've matured so much. I mean, we feel, I feel, you feel confident in Griffey's market. I, I think a lot of the Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James fan uh, player collectors probably feel pretty mm -hmm. confident in those markets and everything. I mean, we can go through a list of the top players and, and the, top PC people to PC that feel like they would, you know, be great stores of value over time. But how do you navigate that now? Because it feels like you've got to literally sell or come up or raise capital to just buy one really good card. And some of these cards used to not be that expensive. And are you, are we going to get, you know, hurt later spending some of this money on some of these cars kind of asking for me i'm kind of asking for probably a lot of people thinking about that right now that want to buy some of these cars i mean rare. if you want high-end stuff i'm just be straight up anybody that's just starting out you kind of have but you have to put a lot of legwork in like i flipped my way up to where i'm at i couldn't I, there's no way i could afford like afford my collection just straight up outgunning everybody on ebay i literally couldn't have done it you know um Makes sense. So it's kind of using like learning hobby knowledge and then using that hobby knowledge to find stuff to flip or try to find collections or learn grading or um, I mean, if you're rich, you're rich and then you can just buy whatever. But to me, I think you have to use the hobby knowledge because everybody's got some, whether they know it or not. 
um, and they might even be into have, you know have business skills, but like flip it like just eBay alone, searching all day, you can find endless amounts of stuff to resell. Now today's market is more tight, you know, it's tighter than ever. People are stealing your steals, and um, you know, last year alone, I lost, I, I had twelve items I didn't get that I stole that people went behind me and took, you know. So, uh, you know, it is a a lot tighter market. Um, you know, especially even me with like me giving out knowledge, so many more people grade and they're now buying up more stuff that I normally would have bought, you know, ah, but not, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it, I think it's tough if you're brand new to come in, but it can be done. I think you just need to hone, hone the eye is what I would say, like hone your eye. Like when I don't ask people very rarely any questions about condition. I just look at it and take a very educated guess. Now, obviously, depending on the value, you might, I might ask, hey, is there any any indents or something? But overall, I can tell fairly certain roughly how the card's going to be online. Um, and and then if, if I don't like it, I just don't buy it, you know. Um, and to, to another thing of your point would be maybe get uh, two or three mentors. So... Like you wanted to yeah. pick the best card, you know? So you, you ask a couple people if they have the same answer, maybe you go with that card. Um, yeah, cause it just, it, there's just so many, I mean, with the nineties, with modern, even more so nineties is a little easier. Well, I don't know if it's a little easier. I think there's equally modern and nineties. Like you said, they're different spaces. They're different little pockets of yeah, communities, they, Right. but it's still hard to figure out, okay, which, because I found a, uh, you you can go on for Griffey cards and all this use Griffey, but you can use any any athlete. There's a lot of really cool cards in the '90s of lots of different great athletes, mm -hmm. and some of them look just amazing. Like, why is this not expensive? Why is this not? And some of it's even numbered, serial numbered. Like all the it checks all the boxes, but it's still worth like 500 bucks. And I'm not saying 500 dollars right. is jump change. Some folks that that could be a good step, but it's still not one of those cards and you're, you're trying to figure out why. And it's still, that's yeah. why you look at some of these like, well, this seems way cooler, but this case in point, the, the intimidator 96 and the 95 just base refractor PSA 10 PSA 10. You're like all day, 95 refractors, you know, there's only 14 of them. That thing's going to go, you know, that's more of a, you know, solid, but the, the gold is first gold. It's there's all these cool things you could talk about. It looks cool. But there's 46 of them in 10, and you're like, well, no, the 95 easily, and it's more expensive. It's almost double the price. But right. you wouldn't know that unless you ask someone like you or a, yeah. someone in that community that understands why. Well, a, qu more. a quick uh, story on the 96 golds is when they first came out, Tops came out and said that there was only 150 of them, and then a collector came out. I believe it was uh, Greg Maddox. And he ended up getting like 200 of them and he sued tops and there was it ended up being there was way more my numbers might be slightly off but it's generally in that area more than 150. it was more than 150. um and then he sued tops and then and then more people came out with uh you know that they had a ton of them so like basically the the numbers were fake and um you know that there is a lot of them out there and who, who knows how many is the total number um, so that kind of killed it for a while. Cause when those came out, the Griffey was like two grand in Beckett. And then, wow. and then only recently over the past couple of years, did it start to come back? Cause that was like 80 bucks for a while, you know? Wow. Um, so it, it came bucks. back. 
80 bucks. Just like uh, 98 PMGs. I had four or five of them over the years. You know, and the problem is, is I always traded up. So I could never like hoard stuff. And I gambled and I, my job was like, I was into other stuff. It wasn't just, if I had some of the hoarder mentality some of these guys had, I would be a, a billionaire, but you know, teach their Right, own. right, you would have kept you know? them. Yeah. Yeah, um, but like even as a few years back, 1200 bucks was considered crazy. You know, now it just hit 66 grand, you know? So it's certain sets just have the allure. But to be fair, me and a few other people, we always knew like the PN, we knew it would get to that level. We just don't know when. Right. You know? So you um, knew back in the day, the PMGs, like, do you right. remember them when you were collecting in your first phase? No, or? I, I, I never even seen a PMG until probably 2010. And what because were they going for at that time? Like even the Jordans and all that stuff. I mean, do you remember? Uh, the Griffies were like 800 bucks. Wow. Because I sold one. <laughs> <laughs> Two of them, actually. It's just crazy same, to think that now. Same thing with the 96 credentials. Um, no, not 96 credentials. The 98 credentials. I had two of them and uh, two PSA 9s. And I ended up selling them. What did I sell them for? I think I got 1200 each. And then, like a week later, one came back up for auction. And it, it did like six grand or something ridiculous. And then now they're 20 grand for a nine, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're so confident and you've mentioned this in some of your, um, your podcasts, you're so confident in Griffey's market on those upper tier, middle to upper tier cards that they're, they almost act like your 401k. Am I wrong? Correct. You feel like that appreciation is going to be just as, lucrative is is parking your money in a roth ira or you know you're not i think it's gonna be advice. i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be more for me and again i'm i'm also you know uh if we had to put like a disclaimer i'm a very heavy risk taker like i don't like i guess i use the words i just don't care like um <laughs> I, pl I play blackjack you know weekly so um that helps fund some of it but um yeah over the past you know, a couple of years, um, like the amount of growth in Griffey is crazy. But like, if you have the blue chip cards, you can also borrow against them. There's companies that will let you do that. Even like traditional banks, if you have it where it's appraised, you can borrow, use it as collateral. But that's mm -hmm. where the grading comes in. That's where having prime examples come in, stuff that's documented. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's not for everybody. And, you know, could Griff could the market collapse? But the, if Griffey's market collapsed, that means the entire market collapsed. So then I wouldn't feel as bad. So you feel like, okay, so tell me, who, who do you feel like are the top five across all sports where the markets are, it, it pretty much holds up the card market? Who, who holds I mean, up I, the card market, in your opinion? Athletes, cards. Uh, I mean, that's tough because I don't follow half the sports. So, you know, like I know soccer's big and I've never, never will, I wouldn't even purchase a box for fun. So, but I mean, Griffey holds up the nineties baseball market. Um, I mean, there's other players that some of the years like Jeter, for instance, 97 to 99, super soft, but his 96 stuff is fairly big. Like his 96 mirror gold would be probably one of the biggest nineties cards, but his other stuff just isn't there, you know? Um, but Jordan, for sure. I remember, when I came back, somebody remember somebody was talking about a green PMG. I think they pulled it. It was on blowout. 
and he sold it for like 60 grand, you know, at the time. Wow. Or 60 or 80 grand. And, wow. um, you know, now it's over a million dollars. So, yeah. Cause I mean, cause hang on. Yeah. Cause we were, I think we like, I don't know if we just mentioned it in this, but like the Griffey stuff, a is a very, it's kind of a small, like there's a lot of people, but the biggest, all the big stuff is within like five people, you know, like all the one-on-one stuff you never even knew existed. One guy has like 90% of that. And then. Do you know who that guy is? Yes. Um, I'm not saying. I, oh, okay. I, won't, I, I won't, I won't, I won't, I don't like to talk about. But, okay. So that, that's fine. That's very fair. That's wanna, very fair. Pri uh, privacy. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We want to be, we want to respect people's privacy, but you know, that there's somebody right. that has a majority of this and this is drippy or just like majority is everything uh i mean this particular guy's literally got everything um wow. but there's also other people that i know have like you know certain griffies they got multiples of or there's also collectors like um you know marco on instagram um he's been around since day one he collected so in 04 to 09 oh, no wait 06 to 09 when Griffey kind of really, really, really sucked. And then he just got comeback player of the year. His stuff was like dirt cheap. Like a 97 mirror team, which is like a $65,000 card. It sold for a hundred dollars. You know, his red crusade was like uh, 80 to 200 bucks. So like if you collected during that era and you were a true collector, you just kept the stuff, didn't even think about selling it. And you bought most of your stuff in that era, you killed it because it was oh, yeah. literally pennies on the dollar you know uh, so how how is how is griffey's market and some of the baseball stuff how does that because it's like so 2020 happens were you surprised by that being I was that first, 2010 yeah. yeah i was surprised i would sum up 2020 like this though like obviously you had the rise um but like the it, it makes sense that the base cards blew up because it's all new people that don't know better so it's being fluffed up by influencers and whoever else. And you just want to make money. I wanted to make money. I, I bought into FOMO. I bought some uh, top, what is it? The uh, the art ones. Oh, 2020, Project 2020. Project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I was part of, I, I had some, I had some key shores, you know, I, I, bit yeah. the, you know, <laughs> I had a whole box of that shit. And, um, but it makes sense because you, you, there's a learning curve to it's like a hobby. If you want to do it right, you have to learn. You're not just going to come in and, buy up everything it, some of the stuff just can't be found and um i think it, it's the same you know it's the same thing um you just gotta you know put the effort in to learn it and really understand like that's why we did that tier video to break mm -hmm. down the tiers where why are these two cards where a credentials is number to 91 and it's 20 grand but this other one's number to 90 and it's 75 dollars like the average person wouldn't understand that because it's both numbered know. the same right yeah. it's confusing yeah you don't know why you know it, it just brings someone in that doesn't understand cards and they're gonna go why are you why is that worth that much money first in the first in the first place why would anyone spend more than you can spend on a brand new vehicle on that and then the other person go, well this one's numbered the same it looks really cool why isn't that expensive i mean they're, they're, i don't think they're i don't think they're you know I, those are good questions and I think for people that are coming into the hobby, it, those are questions that are warranted. And when you see the money that's being spent, 
I mean, right. some some cards just look cool. They're rare, and it's all supply and demand. People want them. So you probably feel sort of confident as well because you know there's people that are just hanging on to these things and they're not getting rid of them. So the demand's going to be there. It's going to be kept up because these people are not going to sell them. Right? Yeah. I mean, like I said, like most of the stuff I have, literally, like I've only seen a few of them. So like a night, like um, Paul Corner taken quickly on Instagram. He's been wanting to buy a 99 EX now. And I'm he's like, oh, I've been searching forever. I'm like, you only been looking for like a year. I'm like, that card, <laughs> only three of them have come up ever, you know, or whatever, three or four of them. So it's like, you know, don't feel bad that you can't find it because it's, it's, it's impossible to be found. Um, you know, and actually on our podcast, one of the things Rodney always says is, um, you know, buy now or pay more later. Once you learn the hierarchy of cards, you know, if you see something within reason, you just got to buy it because more than likely, is not going to be not going to be around especially if you know you've never seen it you know and it's low numbered just grab it you know don't worry like i i had to you know learn my lesson the hard way with that with a few cards but um like the 99 credentials was like one of the last ones where it came up at 3 a.m and i offered it and um the next morning i saw the follower count going up and people started texting me about it so eventually at like 11 a.m i just hit buy it now hour later a buddy messages me he's like did you just get that he's like he's like oh you're lucky it's you because i was gonna offer behind it you know so it's like thank god i did buy it. and then anything that's come up that i'm like i i know i won't see this again you just get you know it. I, may, I just get it you know right no i totally understand that sometimes you just gotta make the call because you just, and you can look and do your research too and see how, how often it's sold i mean at least publicly you just don't know the private stuff right i don't know how right. often those things are being privately exchanged that's the that's the confusing part. But once you get to know the cards and what are important, I mean, gosh, I've been talking to you for just a couple few weeks and I've learned a ton. Um, just, so it's, that, it literally transformed my whole like collecting completely. That's a whole that's a whole layer to the game too. Is like I personally don't want things to be public knowledge because there's cards that are worth sixty grand. People think are only worth six hundred bucks. So you know you, that's that's how you can get an advantage. Learn those type of cards true and uh you know um because it was I, I don't know if it was a card ladder they were talking about that about or somebody was like oh private sales like there should be more like private like private deals should be made public and it's like i personally don't think so um unless i mean if the people really 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 want to but overall like what's the point besides bragging like not everybody needs to know everything. Like that's, it's also part, it's also a game to me. Like it's, it's, it's a thrill of the hunt. You know, you go out there, you want to, you want to find a collection yeah. with some gems in it. Some, sometimes, you know, you put enough time and energy in it. Like to me, if you get a steal on eBay, this is a hot take. If you get a steal on eBay and you backdoor, if, if somebody, if you backdoor somebody, I think you're an asshole. It's like honor among thieves. Like if I get a Michael Jordan PMG right now for 500 bucks, I was the one that put the effort in to go search for it and find it or get it at that time. You know what I'm saying? If mm -hmm. you go backdoor me and more than likely don't say, Oh, well, it's only 500 bucks because that other person probably only offered 700 and was able to make the deal happen behind, behind the closed door. So, um, so yeah, ethics I, and uh, ethics in the hobby can sometimes be in short supply. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you get a lot more people coming in, 
I mean, do you feel like it's uh, okay? So tell me this. This is always the classic question. Okay, 2020 came, 2021, at least the first or the second quarter of 2021 was insane. Like people were going crazy. Uh, everything was too expensive. Um, there's a lot of people out there that were calling that. You know, I, I'll, I'll give a shout out. Um, I remember to listen to the Chris and Josh on the crossover, the card letter guys. And they've, they, they recognized it. Of course, they've been in it for a minute, so they recognize it. I'm sure you recognize it. People that have been doing it for a while understood it. Um, had some fun with it, but understood it. And they were calling it out. And a lot of people didn't like hearing that, but they were right. And, you know, I always try to take heed of the advice of people that have been here. Hence the point I talk to you and I make decisions based on, you know, some of this great advice you're giving me. Because you know what you're doing. You, you know, I, I, you're going to trust someone to, to, to operate on your heart that's only been doing it for a couple of years. Or you're gonna you're gonna trust the person who's been doing it for 30. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd rather trust the person who's been doing it for 30 years. Um, that's where I'm gonna lay my trust. And you know, you you don't want to make mistakes at this end of the game. So where do you think things are now? Where are they going? You know, in your I think opinion, it, I, I think it kind of like cleared the board because again, with 2020, with all the newbies, they just saw endless money. They didn't see that. Like for instance, 2018 Tops Chrome update. To me, that was the set that kicked off like a new era of like you. I literally bought 30 count lots off of eBay. I, I got tired of even looking at them. I would just wipe them with a microfiber. I got I would get 33 out of 33 gems. Like the print quality on that set was just insane. I remember getting an order back because um, it was backed up for a bit, and it was like 150 cards, 148 gems. You know what I'm saying? And there was half, half of them I didn't even look at. So, you know, when you get a base card with a pop, you know, 17,000, there's only so many people to, you know, supply and demand. But at the same time, yeah. it's a base card. Like, it's not, you know, same thing with like a Jordan rookie. Anybody that paid 700,000 for one, in my opinion, is an idiot because it's a pop. The thing is, is basketball guys look at the pops differently than baseball guys. I consider anything over like 10 high and in basketball they think like 100 is low so you know bigger market maybe that's it um why do you matter is of that, perspective is a matter of, so why do you think pop 10 in baseball is high, over pop 10 and over 10 and pop in baseball is high because a smaller demographic of people collecting uh i guess you could say that or it just comes up more often or um i don't know when i look at a pop report for the 90s stuff and it's over 10. I, I like, I just kind of called my collection because I was just kind of thin and I had too much stuff. None, none of the marquee stuff, but like the other stuff, if it was like anything that I can rebuy, I sold. Yeah. You know, use the cash for something else. Like I just sold a 97 hot gloves. And it's like, I love the card, but it's a pop 18. I know I can get one whenever. You know, it's just a matter of money. That's kind of how I operate in my collection. If I know I can't buy it, I, it's not going anywhere. But if I know it's just a matter of finding one or I know where one is, then I don't mind moving it. Those are the type of conversations, Joey, I believe are, are being had now. I've, I've, you know, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts anywhere. I listen, yeah. obviously, to this, the group I'm involved with, with Luca Tiger, uh, LeBron, and, you know, I've, I've listened to your, your, your episodes, you know, a couple of times. And there's just, you know, crossover guys are fun and, slap stock guys are good too but um i do i will say this a lot of the conversations now are 
if I, how liquid are these cards that you have? And you, people are trying to move into better cards because they want to start, you know, those that are still in this is, you know, I'm not doing this for flipping. I, I lose money all the time right. with this. I don't even know how I, anyway, I sell to buy and yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm selling everything to buy these cards. And, and when I'm selling them, I'm like, I never thought I'd sell this card, but you know what? There's like five for sale right now. If I can go on eBay and find a card, you know, I'm learning that I'm learning, well, that card's liquid. Right. Oh, that's, that's a, it's a pop 300. It doesn't matter. There's like seven for sale. That means seven people don't really care enough to keep it. So that means I can probably always go back and get it. The cards like the standard deliver card, you know, I'm, I'm throwing names out of cards that Griffey people would understand. Maybe not even a lot of Griffey people would understand that card because I didn't even know it existed before I, I met you. But that's a card. There's one nine. I have it now. And thanks to you. And until I decide to sell it, that's the only nine. And theoretically, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a pretty good chance. There's 25 of them and based on the condition and all that stuff, but just thoughts like that, like, okay, is this card ever going to come up? Well, I have it. It's locked away in my, and you know where it's at. Like you say, I know where the bodies are buried. You know where it's at. And you probably know a lot of people expand your network, learn where people, who has the cards and all that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. that's a truly rare card because you're never going to go find it versus even some of these cards that aren't rare, but they're popping up on, on auctions constantly. Well, I'll have a chance next week. I'll have a right. chance next month. You know, anyway, it's an issue. It's a very interesting topic and people are exploring it now. You know, what are we really trying to do? Like me, I'm trying to get cards that no one else has that look really cool to me because I love refractors. I love atomic refractors. I love gold refractors. So, you know, all my stuff could be that if I would love, love super refractors. Like I, I should sell my Mike Trout super refractor, but I just love it. And I feel like even with that card, it's Mike Trout. You know, I've been going through this thought. Oh, it's a Mike Trout. You know, he's a good guy. I, I've whittled my like I had like seven of those suckers. Now I have three just to buy all these Griffies. I've had to sell them, but I can always go back and get a lot of those. I can't probably get that super fractor because it's an auto. It's a one of one. Yeah. There's a, he has a He's got a handful of super fractors, but he's, then he only has, he has a, a minute amount that are autographed super fractors. So that it just kind of starts. Okay. But if, what if some super fan gets it? He just, I'm never selling this ever again. I'll never get that back until they decide right. to sell it. It's that mindset that people aren't are starting to start to go, okay, wait a second. I wonder what that's going to do to the market, though, once people really start becoming hip to that. Right. And I, I think 90s will grow for this fact. Like, take Mike Trout. What cards of his that aren't his rookies are considered his standout top five? Is there a consensus? Do you know what I'm saying? That, no. Like, take Topps Tribute or what any, any one of those brands, Sterling, or they're all the same year after year after year after year after year. Mm -hmm. They all look the same with, like, a minor – twist to the design with the same exact like three or four ver you know whatever it is like nothing like for, even with griffey i i well, let's see if i have one right here like i only picked up a few of his newer cards because i like uh what is it this one the uh, the mosaic but at yeah. the same time it's it's just literally the 45 versions of one card like it's not real. Like in the future, is that going to be a standout because it's twenty twenty two mosaic? Probably not. But people are going to know what his ninety seven golden Bosch refractor is because it's beautiful in hand, you know. And his ninety, like nineties inserts have different textures, die cuts, foils. Like you can see the difference, and it, they stand out, you know. Um, but like the new stuff to me just doesn't have the same appeal. Like what what makes it any different, you know? And then well, all the stuff about I like. They like they yeah. talk about one of ones. How many one of ones are there in any set? There might be a handful of one of ones in the same set of a player. 
so that it kind of waters down the whole idea of what a one-on-one is. Because mm. I think the newer generation of collector, and obviously this has been since the late, the early uh, 2000s, is if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't have an auto and a patch on it, they think it sucks. So a lot of people don't understand 90s inserts, you know. Um, me personally, I hate autographs. I think it like, it ruins the card. Like it just, not, it doesn't need to have a patch and an autograph to be cool, you know, in my opinion. No, no, some patch cards are nice, but, um, you know, I prefer like a, I'd take Topps Chrome over, you know, a patch auto or whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm in both camps. I think it's yeah. appropriate where it's appropriate. Like the trout cards right. I have. The, if it's designed have, nice, but not just to throw it on and slap right. it. Right. Just to say it's autoed. I'm a Topps Finest fanatic. I, I think Topps Finest is the best product ever made. Um, and all, all throughout the sports, I think they're all amazing. And some of my best cards are Topps Finest cards. Um, but like the trout one I have, like, well, I have two left. I have the Bowman Chrome Auto 9510 and I have just base and then I have his, uh, and I got it at a very low price. I bought them at the bottom. So I think I'll be okay there, but, um, I have the finest refractor nine auto and it's his only on card auto and it's finest. And it's just a beautiful card. It's just the card's beautiful. And it, they, mm. it built the card to have the autograph. So I don't mind stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know about cards getting autographed after the fact, like I, I think it would be sacrilegious to take like a 97 embossed silver and, and have an autograph put on it. I think that would, I would throw up if I saw that. I, I would, I don't know how I'd feel like now we're starting to geek, now we're going to start geeking on this, but it's okay. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah. my show here. So, hey, um, Hey, you know what? It's like collecting as a whole, you can collect whatever you want. Everybody's got an opinion and the way they want to collect and what they're going to do. And you know, it's teach their own. So what do you think happens now moving forward? You see, everything's got thinned out, right? You say, okay, well, yeah. maybe we're talking about thinking about what liquidity really means, what cards are really rare. What happens as we move forward? I mean, do you think the recession, this potential recession, the economy being, you know, I mean, that's all cyclical that happens all throughout I mean, history. If the recession does like devastate us, I think it'll affect all markets. But long term, past, say we had a recession and come out of it, I think, you know, it's going to be the, like you said, the Griffies, the Jordans, the Colby's, the LeBron's that are going to maintain like the big value, you know, like the stuff that is truly hard to find comes up once or twice a year or years, maybe once every five years, that stuff is the stuff you want to get and just hold on to. Cause like, like, like I was telling you, I have Griffies that I pay 1200 for in 2018 that are worth 30, 40 grand now, you know? And you think PSA 10, you know, or gen mint versions of those cards are going to be the what you want to target? Yeah, I think PSA 10s is definitely the writing was on the wall back in like 2017. That's when it really started to take a big turn because Beckett was, you know, so new new stuff was Beckett. Like that's what everybody wanted to grade. But I think a lot of people just didn't understand PSA. I know I didn't. And then once I did, and kind of understood, you know, how to submit and what their standard was. Um, I think, I think PSA could do a better job of explaining their standards. Cause a lot of people, well, yeah, tell me, tell issue. me, tell me what that it's, is. T tell me what that is. What is the standard? What is the, what did you learn that you, um, find to, where you so finally, with, finally with, understood with the PSA 10, you need four shop front corners and on the back, you can have like one touch on one of them, like very minor. When I say it touched, I would have to like maybe draw it, but, um, no scratches at all. And then um, the edges on the back can have like a little chipping on like one edge, like a couple dots. 
where PS BGS and I I wish I saved some of these examples, but like they almost don't even look at the back because I've seen like BGS nine five is where the back was like white around the whole edge. Um, but Beckett, you can have like multiple issues, like you can have slight surface scratching. Like it depends how it looks. Like kind of in the, I think it it matters what light source they use, because I've had some that like I'm like oh it's this might be a eight it's that bad and I got a gem, and they put gave it a nine surface. So I don't know if it's like some of them are still using halogen lights and some are using LEDs because that makes a difference. If you look at your cards under different light sources, you'll see you'll see it differently um and then like i said sgc it's just if it looks good to your so i had um i did this uh last like october i had a bunch of cards that i knew were not were probably like psa 8 but they look good to the eye i got like three tens with sgc um you know so to me it's if it looks good to your eye like there's um uh it's up right now on ebay it's um the 95 Power Alley die cut Griffey, the SGC, I, I graded that. One of the corners has like a chip out of it, but it got an SGC 10, you know? So like each yeah. company has a different standard of how they grade. Where Beckett, Beckett, you can have a soft corner and still get a 9.5. You can still have a white corner and still get a 9.5. Like I had, um, and what I was saying about the subgrades earlier, how the numbers don't make sense. I have the picture. I have a bunch of pictures, you know, I could show, but I had a 98 crusade and I'm like, I reviewed it. I'm like, all right, we have to go to Beckett. I knew it would still gem with Beckett, but I knew it went with PSA because of the corner. Beckett gave it 10 corners, but you can literally, like I have, you can, with my loop, you can see the corners raised. It was like ding, basically you could say. So like the numbers, people put too much faith in those numbers is what I'm saying. Got it. Got it. You really got to, it's, it's, it's the education. It's learning. Obviously I, I talk to a person like you and I start learning a lot and I've, and I've reached out to a lot of great people. There's, there's people with like, I, I have a few Kobe cards, you know, um, Eric Haley hustle. He's really knowledgeable on, on, um, on the Kobe market. You know, I'm sure that Chris Hoge is just, is really in Cajun cardboard. Um, those guys are great with Michael Jordan. They know, they understand the market, the cards, what matters, what doesn't matter. You obviously with Griffey seems to be, you're, you're the guy and I'm not the only one that thinks that everybody kind of points to you. Um, and there's, there's just people that you can go to and go, Hey, I know this market. I know this player. I player collect them. Mm. player collected them for years so that you know the cards. Then you learn over time and everybody will tell you this. You kind of learn how to look at a 10 and a nine, five and a, is every 10 a 10 is every nine, five. Is it really a, a gem card? You learn to discern that which is something that I don't think a lot of people do, but they're starting to I, do it. I don't think people like my, my personal philosophy is if you say, you know, they graded cards and they're bitching about the grade and you ask them if they use the loop and they tell, you no, their opinions void because you cannot see a lot of the stuff with your eye, no matter how good your eyesight is. Um, unless I just have really bad eyes, but. Um, like for instance, 93, 93 tops is a good example because you can't see the, the or 89 upper deck with the Griffey. There's a reason that card is like a 0.5% gem rate is because the, you can't see the edges. They chip or they'll crack. They have like cracks in them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, 91 tops is another one. 
you know, and that's another thing with like the whole nineties, like you could tell me a card, I'll tell you what's wrong with it without looking at it. Because there, there's a lot of videos on YouTube. Like one guy was like, Oh, uh, I love when people say there's pop control. Like, no, it's, you could open three cases of 1989 upper deck and the best card you'll pull is a seven for Griffey. Wow. And that you say you pull fifth. There's actually a video a guy did that on YouTube, but I know that from just opening this stuff. And like one time, um, there was a 86 tops, Eric Davis that sold for like 900 bucks. And everybody's like, Oh, you, that's stupid. You just go open a ton of it. It doesn't work like that. You know, especially like 90 stuff is just like, it's just the way it's made. You know, you could, you could like, I, I had pulled a uh, platinum Derek Jeter, um, platinum medallion, 98 ultra. The back looked like somebody, like, you know, like a ballpoint pen that runs out of ink. That's what mm -hmm. the back of the card looked like, fresh out of the pack, you know? So wow. it's it's just a print. There's a reason everything's like pop under five. You know, it's not that PSA is pop controlling it. It's just that, you know, like Nolan Ryan's rookies, it was some conspiracy because there's only pop one. If you look at every Nolan Ryan rookie error, it's, it's, uh, they're all off center, soft corners. You know, same thing with Ricky Henderson, you know. Um, I just don't think these people know exactly how to pinpoint, you know, down to what it what it should be. So and you're asking you're asking people to really trust that there's no pop control going on. Because that is that is something that people Yeah. yeah. Uh I, I I'm not you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist at heart. So I guess I think I, I draw my conclusions and I'm so strong in my stance just because I do grade. And I, I see what comes back and I've never really disagreed with the grade PSA gave me or if it's close. Yeah. There's been a couple I've cracked and resub, but usually it was because, um, you know, I don't know if they use gloves now, but they do leave a lot of shit on the cards, fingerprints and debris in the case. So again, they're not perfect. I'm just saying for the volume they do, they do a pretty good job, you know, for 10 X the next person, you know, um, and their standard is very strong. I think they have the best standard. You have a lot of people that watch this and be like, oh, like in the comments, I'm sure we'll be talking a bunch of junk, but I can prove it. You know, I can I can show it in, in action. You know, you, if we went to a show and we picked up some BGS 9.5 cards, I could point you out right there what the, what the issue is. And like BGS I've seen, they seem to transpose a lot of numbers. So like, uh, do I have a BGS case over here? Like the the corners in the surface, for instance, they'll like switch them a lot. Like I bought this. Um, a lot of people will buy cards with like a low surface grade, but everything else is nine five. Try to crack and resub. Like I did that with a trout once, a trout rookie twenty eleven chrome. It had an eight surface nine five corners, and then when I got it, I looked at it through the loop. Every corner was rounded. You know, so it was it was the opposite. Of, they just got them mixed up. Yeah. Wow. So the subgrades can be nice, but subgrades can be also pretty dangerous because you don't know if they've yeah. got the numbers, unless you're looking at that card. See, I mean, I, I don't. I, I trust the grade. Um, I've been trusting the grade. I, I haven't thought about that um, as much. I mean, it's we a, always know a 10 can be, every 10 a bit different. I just, I never really just, there's, I didn't think there would be some major discrepancies. That I'll, I'll give you an example. Right now, people can go Google it the the bgs9 that i just sold the pmg and i don't want to talk shit whoever bought it but you can literally see the corner is like white that would be a psa7 you know and then there was a um for instance i have a ruby's P, 
PSAA. When I go to sell that, I'm crossing that to BGS because that full grade bump that I'm definitely going to get because mine's clean. There was a, a on Golden, um, a BGS 8 rubies just sold. Go look at the back of it. Go search completed results. Look at that rubies back. And then I'll send you a picture of the back of my card. You know what I'm saying? So the number carries weight to a certain degree with Beckett, where the gem differentiates the nine still like to me a PSA nine should outsell a BGS nine by a ton on certain cards. But um, you know, for instance, I have a you know, I have a Rub I have a no as a PMG that would and even Nat, because Nat's crossed a bunch over because he likes it at all the BPSA. He's seen three, four point drops on the PMGs. Why is that? Because they're just they're not really looking at the, the creases around the edge. They're just kind of eyeing it and you know, maybe just saying, oh, for a PMG, it's nice. But, you know, I had an 8.5 BGS that uh, somebody crossed over to PSA and got a four. Wow. You know, so, wow. so it's like, but at the end of the day, people were in the market of they just want the number. You know, so you got to play, you got to learn to play the game with which cards are better off with Beckett over PSA when you go to resell them. I'll give you. I Go ahead. Yeah, Keep go giving ahead. me more examples, though. They gave me another one. What you got? Um, uh, I ruined your train of thought. <laughs> no, the, one more. The Red, a Red Crusade sold recently, and it, it kind of went a little lower than it should have. But the first time, when it originally sold, it was a BGS-8. And then the guy crossed it over to PSA, but the print line was pretty nasty, and it got a 7. So it's like, you devalued the card, in my opinion. You know, you should have just left it the eight or re resubbed it. And now I get the train of thought because I'm OCD. Like I've graded a lot of stuff where I just took the PSA nine over maybe the BGS nine uh, nine five because I just wanted all PSA stuff. I did that when I did all my autos. And um, I mean, the market some PSAs are still pretty close to BGS nine fives. It's not right there, so. It doesn't know, it, you know, I just kind of just PSA everything now. That's my well, training. Yeah. Again, it just, it's happened naturally for me. I haven't even really thought about it. I think I only have, I think my trout, the first Bowman auto is just the only BGS card I have anymore. A few, I've had a, I've had quite a few, but I think I've just moved them all. And then all the Griffies I'm buying, they're all, um, the only, you know, I, I, that's not, I, I'm wrong. I have the, the Bowman Tiffany, 89 Bowman Tiffany, a nine five slab, um, the Griffey rookie, but that was because the discrepancy in price was insane. I just, it was double the price. I feel like this, yeah. I feel like this is still a really good card, but um, I, I think, but that's, what's exciting about it. You know, I mean, learning all this stuff. And to me, I think this is all great food for thought. And you, as you grow and learn in the hobby, as you're collecting, you're putting together your PC, you know, you want to pay attention to this stuff. It matters because those grades are everything. I, I think they're very material when it comes to your selling it down the road. I think the grades are the only thing to differentiate the authenticity of it. And then the fact that, you know, it's going to command a certain price because of the grade and how many there are. Well, I mean, a lot of people want to think about the future too. And let's put it like this. In say 10 years, you die. You know, I don't have kids, but a lot of people have kids, right? And you know how many collections I've purchased where the widow died and I got it for pennies on the dollar? A lot. Like I've gotten stuff wholesale basically and a lot of people have but if you have it set up where like right now i have all my stuff at a vault and it's all graded so 
all would have to do is either a write a will and say, Hey, I want PWCC all whoever, whatever consigner just to sell off all my stuff. It's already labeled. It's already ready to go. There's no question on value, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if it's in your closet in a box, how does your wife not, or your wife, uncle, aunt, whoever is not going to know the difference between a 91 tops Ken Griffey jr. That's 10 cents versus a, 96 Marigold, that's 100 grand, you know, they're going to, to them, they just call up somebody, they're going to get offered two grand and sell the card, you know, and I think that's why a lot of the 90s pops are low, because a lot of 90 guys hated grading, like Griffey guys, especially all of them hated, I was like one of the first to kind of come through and and grade the stuff, so um you know, there's there's two guys offhand I know that have like the deepest player collections of all player collections, like just endless amounts of stuff, but like all of it, and um, like none of their stuff is graded. You know, so when they go to sell, um, I'll give you one more example. So this is where like posting in this day and age, like you said, I don't have enough content, and I agree, I'm just kind of lazy, and I don't even know how to really make quality content, and um. So I, I would always post my stuff on the message boards and uh, I have a, uh, there's a Griffey OG collector, Rick, and uh, he's collected since day one. Had, he had three full rooms full of all Griffey stuff. Um, just everything, you know, you could think of food, you know, bats, balls, whatever, whatever. So he saw that I was getting all these tens and stuff and he reached out to me to help him because he wanted to just, he wanted, it was time to sell, you know. He didn't want to leave it to his kids because his kids weren't interested and uh, figured get the money now while he knows what it's worth and can sell it himself. So he invited me. We ended up working out a deal where I just went and helped him. And um, I ended up spending the first trip out eight days there. I must have went through like 15,000 cards and we ended up grading like we'll call it like 600. And then, um, you know, the Beckett order. I hit like 80 percent gems. Cause we only sent like the best of the best stuff. And then the PSA order was like 50%, you know, and that's out of my normal route. Like I, I was literally like a PSA worker, just going through the things. But then I showed him and like, he was a guy that just collected, hated grading before, but then he kind of saw like, all right, do I want to sell my card for $10 or $2,000, you know? And, uh, he's like, all right, the writing's on the wall there. And then, um, you know, we got all the stuff back. He sold it all. And, um, yeah, he just, he, he, you know, then after I left, I, cause as I was going, I would show him every card. I'd be like, see that, see that, see mm-hmm. the ink, you know, you could, you know, he was, he just didn't realize he's like, oh, I just buy and to buy crack. He was, you know, he showed me like some of the labels he cracked from old holders that were like already gems and nines and stuff. And, um, and then after me showing him all the details, he started grading his own. Now he's hitting like 90% of what he sends in. So it's just like, I think it's just education for people to learn grading better and know how to grade better. Well, obviously we're talking about grading a lot in this episode, which I think is good. And I think you're teaching and educating. And I, that's a big part of what, you know, this podcast series is about what this, what Luca Nation's about. I know Andrew Cage loved to educate. It's a big part of what we what we all do, 
but I can imagine there there's folks like yourself and other, you want to help, but you also don't want to help in a way, because if you give too much away, then it just creates more competition for you to do the things you're doing. And quite frankly, this is your living. You, this is how you provide for yourself. So you got to respect that, but that's, you know, people like myself and others that are learning from you are like, well, gosh, I'm glad you're teaching us. Cause you know, we're able to benefit from that knowledge. Do you find that there's a lot of collectors that are just like, I just don't really want to talk about it. You know, I want to keep that stuff to myself. What's well, maybe oh, that's 90, why you don't have a lot of content. 99% of people don't want to talk about it, but, um, I, I, I'm, I, I try to be selective with my info, like yeah. give out the stuff that's, you know, helpful, but at the same time, I'm not going to tell you where I just got that lot today, you know, or, you know, there's certain things you can't give out because people are just snakes in general, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, but I think you can give enough to help people, you know, to, I, I believe in, you know, I'm not religious, but I believe in karma where you give out, you get back, you know? So I help everybody and, you know, there's enough in the world for me to, there's enough Griffies out there that I'm not running out of buying opportunities. You know, I'm more running out of money than opportunities to buy cars, you know? So it's, I, I think a lot of us run into that conundrum. It's like, we want some of yeah. these cars, but we're going to have to part with something we love to get it. And that's yeah. why, some of these cards are hitting the block and I don't think that's the majority of the reason why I think a lot of people are just trying to get cash. I think some, a lot of people are probably getting out of it. Maybe some people got hurt. They spent way too much. Now they're trying to get out. Uh, people well, like me are like, I'm just trying to get these cool cards. So like, I'll sell yeah. these now. Right. But yeah. Well, the, the, the problem is, is the, the people in that realm of COVID, they didn't have the knowledge. They were just buying blindly thinking everything's right. going to rise forever. Where I'm yep. saying there's no, you better sell all those Griffey rookies at three, three to six grand a pop now, because there's no way it's going to hold that value. And of course, you know, they all fall back down the reality. Um, but I mean, uh, just to touch on one other thing you had said, like, that's why my, uh, the name of my podcast, which barely exists is called opinions aren't facts. And like, I try to only speak on things I actually know about. Like, I, I hate when people speak on something they don't know about as fact, you know, a little, or preface it that that is their opinion. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Cause you, well, I you going, know, I was going somewhere with that, but well, it's because you know, you know what you're talking about. You feel like it's fun. It's, it's good to share the information to teach people how to be careful. Cause you want to see people be providential. You know, you don't want to see people drop money and, and you know, cause you know, I, I, I make decisions, you know, if I'm spending money, I want to make sure it's wise money. I don't, you know, I don't want to just blindly go follow and just try to pocket, give someone some money in their pocket for the sake of it. But I don't mind, you know, people are probably getting some meat on the bone. A lot of stuff I sell on eBay, Lord knows it, but you know, maybe they'll be able to go off and, and do something with it. And that's great, but I'm still ending up with what I want. And so I'm always happy right. in the end, but I think it is important to share that information, but I do think there's that balance you have to have because, you know, you're, you're, we're all, I think it's easier to be a bit more informative and more helpful when you're in a more of a liquid market and you, you, the cards right. are more liquid because there's 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 enough for everybody or, or most of the people that are interested in this specific subset which i'm now unearthed in completely and i'll never come out of um i've slowly gotten there I and mean, i'm just like all the way in um all the way down the rabbit hole it's you gotta be careful because there's only so many of these cards Right. So yep. I lost, I lost you there. For, oh, there you are. Uh, okay. There's only so many of those cards. So you kind of have to be careful and selective in how you assist others. Um, I, I mean, if you're a duplicate holder, I, I think it's, you know, I don't have as much sympathy for you, but 
you know, if it's the only card you got, which I, well, I like how you had a strategy of finding one. I think if it's you, if it's someone that knows their stuff, like you understand how to grade, it's easier to take your advice, your, your counsel and like, okay, I'm giving you this raw card. I think it would be a nine or a 10. Okay. I, I can replace that card now. I'll I can tell you, up. I can tell you grading works against me more than it as far as like dealing with people. Cause if I want somebody's raw card, they automatically assume like, why do I want <laughs> if you're buying it from you, you know, it's good. Yeah. They automatically, they automatically assume something. And then, um, nice. same thing when I do sell now, Hey, I'm overly like, I'm over the top with like explaining conditions. Cause I'm a person that I, I hate, I don't want to have returns. So I actually grade like 90% of stuff that I sell because I just don't want to deal with the issue. Yeah. I'd rather sell something as a six, take a $200 loss on it than having to sell it raw and maybe get returned twice because somebody didn't like the condition or, oh, this has this. And it, actually, here's an, uh, another thing to blend both together. If you have something you think is borderline on a grade, grade it because a lot of the times you'll be pleasant uh pleasantly surprised that you'll probably get that bump because there's a mm. ton of stuff i send in that gems and i'm like i had i had no idea that would gem hmm. you know or even like uh i had a 98 atomic the one that you just bought it was raw and i had an issue on the back on the back of it and i was like explaining it to this guy he's beating me up i'm like you know what f this i'm just gonna grade it and i got a nine I ended up making another grand on it, you know? So sometimes there's issues, you know, and I think PSA does have the standards on the site, but they could update them to kind of better reflect, right? you know, not vintage cards. Um, but there's some issues that it can have that people I don't think understand would still make it mint, you know, because people return mint cards on eBay, but they don't think they're mint because it has an issue when it's still technically mint, you know? Right. Well, I, I've kept you for a long time. Um, I'm glad I was able to grab you because I know you, you don't jump on podcasts and do the podcast tour. That's not you. Um, and uh, I, I just feel like, you know, we're, we're lucky to have you and have this episode air. I think this is one that folks are going to want to go back and check out again and again, listen to it again and again, because there's so many nuggets that you could pull from this, learning about how to collect, how to view the market, you know, why certain cards aren't, you know, selling for what they could you know, when to, you know, sell all that kind of stuff. You're going to learn like, you know, there's, there's strategy that goes into this and there's just, you know, people that have been doing it for a while, um, understand the market. They understand how deep the collector bases are for a lot of these collector, these, these player collections and player collectors. And even more so the, you can't trust pop counts. You, it's hard to trust how many cards are really out there because so many people don't grade in a certain space. I mean, in modern space, they do, but in a, you know, 90 space, they just don't grade. So it's really hard to kind of trust those pops, but um, thanks so much, Joey, for being on. I know, you know, we could talk for three hours. This could yeah, be a, could... like three part series so easily. And I know it's so late easy. there for you, but I really appreciate you coming on. And again, folks, if you, you know, I uh, go check out Joey, you can, he, you can follow him on Instagram. Um, you can watch his three or four videos he has, which are all amazing. Just go check them out. They're really great. I know I keep poking fun of him, but I, I think I know why he only has uh, three or four. But uh, it's not because you're lazy. <laughs> it's because there's, there's a reason behind that. But I think and Rodney's a good guy. Maybe maybe we'll do another episode, get Rodney on, on the show too, because I think that guy's got a lot of knowledge too. He's a really, really neat guy. Yeah. Um, and you guys work well together. Maybe we'll just do a follow-up episode at some point where we can 
and get both of your opinions on certain things and stuff like yeah, that. We come up with something, something fun. But anyway, thank you, Joey, for being a part of the series. Uh, really cool. Really cool stuff. Appreciate it. Thanks and for uh, definitely, definitely. So, friends, if you want to uh, comment below of this video when you watch it, uh, you know, if you have, if you disagree with Joey, let him know. He will read those comments and he will, he will respond back. He will give you good feedback. Uh, he'll definitely stand his ground. So, anyway, that's, that's my for downfall. I can't, I can't stay away from the comment. So, no, he's a comment guy, and that's good. We like that. That's what we want. We want engagement. So, anyway. Friends, thanks for joining us today. We got JP Paw, we got Ken Griffey Jr., we got 90s inserts. We talked about it all, grading, comps, the whole nine. Go back and listen to it again and again and again. Thank you. It's part of the Luca Nation Network. It's a collector series. I'm DPZ. With nearly 40 years as the most trusted resource for collectors, dating back to the first Beckett magazine in 1984, Beckett has been the brand that bridges generations of the hobby. We're happy to be partnering with Beckett and look forward to keeping you all updated on the big things happening at the company in 2023. Beckett, it's the name you know and the name you can trust.